there's a lot of your work uh, that says quite a lot of interesting things about the 20th century. Um, I've cer certainly the first thing that sprung to mind was, was from hell. There's was an idea in From Hell, um, which was a big inspiration in my KLF book. But the idea was that the act of Jack the Ripper um, was what gave birth to the 20th century. I was just curious where that idea came from. Well, that was my conceit mm. um, that resolved a lot of the material that had uh, emerged during my research into From Hell. Okay. Um, when I was just looking into the 1880s, I noticed all of these things that had happened. The, I think in 1882, uh, Mitchelson and Morley actually performed the experiments which were meant to iron out a couple of last wrinkles in the theory of the ether, but ended up completely disproving that ether existed, um, which was a kind of result, but not the one that they were looking for. You'd got France going into Indochina. Um, you had got uh, the beginnings of the um, the modern art movement uh, with Walter Sickert. You'd got uh, some of the first kind of modern realist writings with people like Emil Zola. Uh, you'd got um, a surprising amount of focusing upon prostitutes in literature and the arts. Um, and all of these things which had gone on to really colour and shape the 20th century. And then in 1888, these senseless, violent murders, um, it just seemed to me that symbolically uh, I could kind of um, position the Jack the Ripper murders mm -hmm. as the birth throes uh, of the 20th century with Jack the Ripper as a kind of really ghastly midwife. Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session Presents Alan Moore. I am your host, Leslie Lee III, 
the Whitechapel murders committed by the unknown subject known as Jack the Ripper. It's one of the most infamous crimes of all time, and it has remained unsolved until today. I have assembled a crack team of mind hunters, and we will, for the first time on this podcast, be revealing who is Jack the Ripper. With the help of Alan Moore's and Ellie Campbell's classic comic book, From Hell. Today, I am joined, as always, by the host of Jack AM, Jack Allison. What's happening? I'm excited to do some uh, some mind hunting. Always a good time to do some mind hunting. And Will Miniker of Chapo Trap House. Hello, boys. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm actually coming to you live right now. I'm doing the soy face pointing thing, but towards a Masonic <laughs> temple. This is, this is the true crime hour. You know, people do say that Chapo Trap House birthed the 21st century. Uh, that, that is a thing that people are saying. <laughs> for better or for worse, as Dr. William Gull says. All right, so let's get into it. From Hell, the book about Jack the Ripper that from the first page tells you who the fuck Jack the Ripper is and is still the most interesting thing you'll ever read about any sort of serial killing thing, almost, I think. Uh, absolutely impeccable work from the art to the storytelling to the fact that 95% of the stuff in here is true and documented. Um, if I have the annotated edition, I, I can save you the trouble if you don't. Every single page, you just turn back and it says, yeah, this shit actually happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. The only, there's only, He only messes with a few things to get the royal conspiracy in, which is the most ludicrous theory of who uh, Jack the Ripper is, but otherwise just an impeccable uh, work and I absolutely adore it. I would say it's also probably like, in addition to like the most interesting thing that's ever been done about serial killers, I think like as far as historical fiction goes, it's one of the most uh, fascinating and as you said, historically accurate kind of psychological and historical portraits of the Victorian era or like the end of the Victorian era in England. Yeah, it really. And I, I, I honestly think that, you know, it kind of works better for for the artistic license that he's able to take. You know what I mean? Like it almost like is able to pull you into that place and uh, uh, give you, you know, bigger ideas to sort of grapple with about murder and about that era. Uh, that maybe he couldn't have if he stuck, you know, strictly to fact only. Yeah, so, Will, you mentioned this is a book about the Victorian era, which is when, the, you know, these uh, kill the Jack the River killings take place. And what this book emphasizes that isn't, you know, emphasized all the time is just the abject horror of day-to-day -day life on the east end of London, while at the same time, like this is in the middle of the heart of the greatest empire that the world has ever, ever seen. At least that's what they fucking say, right? Like <laughs> at the same time, like uh, on the west end, while Jekyll and Hyde was playing, all the posh people were going to the theater to see this ghastly play about this doctor turned bad. On the uh, east end, like actual women are being chopped up having their throat slit and murdered and jack the ripper is maybe not even the top five problems that they actually have in their day-to-day -day life yeah i mean like it, it it captures the um horrific 
horrific poverty and misery of life on the East End in the heart and the you know in the in the heart of the, what at the time was the biggest and richest empire in the world. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, Jack London's one of his books of nonfiction called People of the Abyss. Of the Abyss, yes, yeah, where like he went over and attempted to live in the East End and like get a job and just like it's just. It, uh, it's an astonishing book of reporting on like uh, just the conditions of poverty at like the very beginning of the 20th century in London. And, 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 and Farm Hill even maybe even pulls back a little bit because like there's just a mention of like the seeing children having sex on the streets. Uh, there's you don't see the fact that uh, you don't see as many of the houses where families are living, you know, eight people in an eight by eight of uh, where they live their whole lives there. Uh, they, the, there's a quote from a book I was uh, reading called uh, The Five about the Jack the uh, Ripper uh, killings by Hallie Rubenholz, a brand new book. And they mentioned um, that, you know, you would be it, like there was four kids who were found in the bed sleeping with the corpse of their brother who was waiting to be buried. Um, families would you would use the bathroom in the same room, have sex in the same room that you're on the same bed that your children are sleeping on. There was no privacy. Uh, and often you were having sex with a sibling. There was just no privacy. And this is like the workhouses were worse, you know, like there, there was so much like suffering and distress and people in other parts of the UK, other parts of London, just pretending it didn't happen, didn't talk about it. All right, so let's dive into the plot of From Hell, which for a book ab about, you know, the most infamous crime of all time, so we'll document. The plot is fairly straightforward. He gives it to you fairly early on in the first few pages. Uh, Prince uh, Eddie, our uh, uh, Victoria's special little boy, has been, uh, you know, uh, uh, slumming it on the East End with a, with a nice uh, shopkeeper girl. Uh, who unfortunately is Catholic, and so when they get married and have a child, uh, that's a, a big Catholic problem. Priest preside over their wedding. <laughs> yes, that's a big... making their child now uh, a papist who is like in line for the house of uh, <laughs> the, the ruling family of England, which is that's a no no. That's a big no no. And and that simply won't do. So Victoria just straight up uh, puts the hit out. And I love the drawing of her. She's like almost like kind of like Jabba the Hutt, just giving these like all orders off to her fucking minions and Dr. Gold, uh, who is the, mo the really the only the main thing we learn about him that Moore wants to hammer in is that he's a fucking Mason. Mason, Mason, Mason. The Masons, the Masons in the royal family did the Jack the Ripper slayings. That's what we were told in the first few pages that that's what happened yeah there's not a lot there's not a lot of mystery here i mean the mystery in the book is so cool because like it tells you who it, it it tells you what the conspiracy is in the first chapter and it develops it on there from there but like the only real the mystery in the book comes from an interior an interior psychological profile of dr william gull himself because he is you know he is tasked with um, you know, <laughs> lobotomizing this woman and then killing her friends, um, but his, these acts of, yeah, yeah, these acts of murder that he's tasked with doing on behalf of Queen Victoria, for himself, take on an entirely different and mythic cast that becomes about something totally different than like what the royal family or even the Masons uh, require of him. 
and like like as as the murders develop and his you know tenuous <laughs> attachment to sanity continues to slip away from him like the real mystery is what he is actually hoping to achieve with these murders so the real life dr gold the main thing that kind of eliminates him as a suspect is the fact that he suffered a stroke and he was an old man but alan moore actually flips this and said what if the stroke was actually a theophany and he had yes. <laughs> he had seen jubilon J- jubilon is real is, is that not something that actually the masons in their old uh in their old beliefs used to believe yes yes it actually is a real uh, mas- uh masonic thing um uh that was and is if part is i don't know if it came up contemporaneously with the case but it alan moore isn't pulling this out thin air and he his he's doing he decides that if he's going to if he's tasked with killing you know several women he might as well make a day out of it and decides to conduct a ritual to ensure that Matt, uh, that there uh, remains a patriarchy in the 21st century because he's afraid that since women he believes women ruled uh, over men for millions of years in the age of prehistory and unreason and male reason is the only thing that's has only started to take hold of humanity and he needs to conduct this ritual uh this masonic uh, occult ritual with these murders to push back the feminine uh chaotic feminine force he needs to slay the female dragon basically and, yes yes and uh and like the city of London itself plays a huge role in this because like the the places where he actually conducts like where where like he he murders these women and like I think probably the one of the most amazing chapters of the book is when he um takes his carriage driver who is his accomplice in these murders and he takes him basically on a, his Renfield yeah he takes him on like a walking tour of London about like the occult architectural sort of like i don't know ley lines and like uh, nexuses of energy which are like you know all of these obelisks and historical landmarks have been like literally built over like to, to sort of consecrate and conquer like uh england's pagan and matriarchal history and like and and, and uh, bring forth like modern england modernity and like yeah the the power of monarchy patriarchy and like uh, you know as what he's trying to accomplish the creation of the modern world and the creepiest fucking thing is that like it's like actually true like a bunch of people did die bringing those obelisks that are thousands of years old to england for whatever fucking reason and they are laid about this it's fucking bizarre is that actually is bizarre and i'm it's it's weird to me that alan moore is like the only person in the uk who like talks about this it seems at least that filters over to the u.s like there's so much weird shit uh and weird factoids and like like he uh i think they they mentioned they it's mentioned from hell a few times the pirate hanging areas I don't know where they hung the pirates where I lived at, but it would <laughs> seem like it would freak me out. I mean, this is what Alan Moore gets in and into Jerusalem and everything else. Like these, this, these places where the atro- these atrocities take place, there must be some kind of power still there, or something still there, uh, lingering. It's that, like it's not just the um, the act of murder itself. It's like the the power comes from even centuries later, like the consecration of those murders through this kind of. 
um, covert and totally like a power that you're unaware of, the, the covert powers of architecture itself, which is like really one of the most fascinating parts about this book. And, you know, like whether it's about Hawksmoor's church and Whitechapel. And then, yeah, the, uh, even, that even, church is an antagonist in the book. Yeah, the it's church like church it, building. It's it's like a really malevolent presence. And I, I've been there and it's a very interesting church. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, like uh, but not just the architecture of the city of London itself and its churches and obelisks and, and buildings, which which exert this like uh, what is very clear, this like uh, totally oppressive fucking energy on like every human being who lives within its boundaries of just this like uh, like like it, like infinite universal and cosmic oppression from like the rulers on like the livestock that they fucking <laughs> lord their power over. But even more, even grander than that, is that like a lot of the book is a um, through this idea of architecture, the book and and William Gull himself um, uh, sort of n narrates a lot of um, Moore's own ideas about time as a spatial dimension, and that the universe and time itself has an architecture to it that we are acted upon but unaware of. Yeah, I mean, in 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 it's almost uh, I hadn't read before, and we're, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but the sort of afterword to the afterword, um, I hadn't read before, and I did think it was interesting. There was even images of Alan Moore going to these places, and they were very like reminiscent of that sequence when Gull was going to these places. You know, I feel like this might have been some sort of uh, signaling. You know, that these are some of his ideas. I mean, if there's a character that expresses ideas most in line with Alan Moore's. It is almost certainly Gull in this work. Um, whereas Gull, Gull is trying to enslave humanity, where I think Alan Moore is trying to liberate us. But 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 it's because he only he understands the means through which human <laughs> beings have become enslaved by occult power. That is something that Gull says, because he's like, these gods don't exist but they're po all powerful and that's why I used them. He's kind of like, he kind of like he laughs at the other Masons for actually believing in it, even though he knows the power. It's a very like strange uh, way he phrases it, but he becomes such a fascinating character. And while I'm talking about this, I made the mistake of putting myself through the film adaptation. The Hughes Brothers, Hell. yeah. Yeah, which is an abomination but for maybe one sequence where um what's the, uh, the actor who plays um he's he also plays like built uh the hobbit as well uh, ian holm his name ian holm uh as goal and once it's revealed that he's the murderer and we see him having these like visions and like you actually see the obelisk and it looks like the comic book for like three minutes in the entire movie i'm like that's supposed to be the whole movie, not like Johnny Depp, like following the cop. It, it's funny. I mean, like you can see why they like uh, for for a movie, they like totally change it because like, you know, like the, the movie withholds the mystery and even like misdirects you as to who you think uh, the Jack the Ripper is really going to be. Um, but they make the main character. Uh, Johnny Depp, the psychic detective, which yes. doesn't who doesn't show up in From Hell until like the eighth or ninth chapter, and he's the one who cracks the case. But it is very clear that his psychic abilities are he's a complete charlatan, he's a complete fraud. Wait, wait no, and wait, no, uh, it, it, he, they combine the two characters. The psychic in the book is a royal psychic who was defrauding Victoria, oh, right, right, and yeah, got yeah. in a fight with Goal. Yes, and he tells the detective Aberlane, who really doesn't do anything except like um, try to 
hustle and then get hustled uh, by Mary Kelly. That's all he does in the entire book. So he, it's even less, it makes even less sense to make the movie into like a detective mystery. And then Johnny Depp's character act like acts like he's read Silence of the Lambs, right? Like he's like the same <laughs> detective from like CSI. Is like, what do we have here? When in fact, in the real case, and this is documented, someone had uh, sent a letter to the detective suggesting that they put dust down on some of the items around uh, that were found in the killing uh, to find out the print of the fingers uh, of the killer. And the cops told him to fuck off. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and not till so 17, 17 years later. later. To the editor, someone was like inventing fingerprinting. Yes. 17 years later, they start using it. I also like in the uh, the Hughes brothers adaptation with Johnny Depp the uh, like the psychic Johnny Depp psychic detective character he has all of the the sort of um, <laughs> uh, like the 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 like the the mind hunting or like we're like uh, remember like the the Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes where he's like looking at stuff yes, and he's like yeah. bring he's doing the Minority Report things with like ideas in his <laughs> brains which is like move that away bring this one up he's doing the he's doing the uh, yeah the uh, the the the, Han the Hannibal Will, Will Graham thing but. He only he he only accessed those psychic powers through smoking opium and drinking absinthe. Oh, uh, <laughs> that was actually kind of cool. I actually like Holmes. Actually, is in the books. I mean, he is a morphine <laughs> and uh, cocaine addict in in the uh, in the original stories. So from hell, I know this is uh, everybody's bagging on true crime now, but you're listening to this episode, aren't you, motherfucker? From <laughs> hell is a true crime story. And it Maybe is the original true crime. Is there an earlier true crime sensation like this? I mean, it had to be one of the one of the first like uh, um, series of murders or serial murders that became a global news story that like yes, everybody knew thing. about. And uh, this is one thing that Alan Moore has pulled from the Ripperologist is the term. I mean, there's been so many books written about Jack the Ripper, so many people investigating, so many theories. But one of the things that they do believe is that the letters. Uh, at least the first couple were written by a newspaper man um, because it was the dear boss is not addressed to the cops. It's actually addressed to like the the boss at like the news agency. But people wouldn't know most the average person probably wouldn't even know what a news agency was back then. If you were like a crazed killer and you wanted to send a letter to somebody, you would send it to the local paper, not the distributor. It's like adding like the specific editor in chief on like the B like instead of like just the newspaper, you know what I'm saying? So they believe and plus it's like whimsical and wordy. I think some people thought like Oliver Wilde like might have written because they were like like a depraved killer is just not like writing like double entendre poetry to the papers. That just not is something that happens. Yeah, a little bit of fake news. The original it, it, and it it was the original fake news and the reason and it did, did became become a huge sensation because people were just getting murdered in the neighborhood in really brutal ways, even by modern standards. The comic book is absolutely like shows the gory details of this, which I think if like Jack the Ripper happened now, like it would be like still the biggest news story just because of how horrific the crimes were. And people on the East End uh, would like sell tickets out the back of their windows when the bodies would show up because people 
want to see like the investigation and, and like this is you know back in the day where like what an ambulance was was two guys with a stretcher and you had to run and find them so it would take like you know 30 minutes to get the ambulance get the you had to walk to go get the coroner all this shit so it'd be like uh, several hours of like show like you will watch basically it was csi live for those uh people but the cops had no idea what uh they were doing like most of the time they would wash the body first thing uh, to you know <laughs> let's get all this evidence out of here this is gross. yeah let's get all this yeah this is gross this is creeping this out so from hell as a true crime comic shows that the cops have have been always will be completely fucking useless to the people and won't well, help you not won't just do anything at all not just useless not just it's not just that cops can't read it's also in from hell it makes it clear that the cops um have been um suborned to this entire fucking yes. they've been told to look the other way like they're they're not going to investigate these murders because they've been literally ordered to do so by queen victoria herself and if we're talking about like uh like the true crime shit about like the nature of these crimes and the Alan Moore's uh you know uh prime suspect Dr. William Gull or you know not the suspect the actual killer the uh as um as savage as these murderers were i mean like people began speculating that it was a doctor or an educated person who did them because like the ways in which these women's organs were removed and the cuts themselves that um killed them were so precise that it was like uh, speculated that it could not have been done by some like you know crazed uh, wretch on the streets of the East End. You know this was, these were these are very precise murders and surgical extractions. If you actually look at it, someone who was like a tailor or a butcher, uh, which is someone who might be living in that district, would have the similar skills. But one thing that was funny when they uh, when the, the cop the first thing the cop said was, "Oh, this couldn't be an Englishman. No Englishman could po possibly do this. It has to be one of those immigrants, possibly a uh, Jewish. Uh, they never they they be couldn't believe an Englishman uh, could possibly do this." But as far as who the mind, the real mind hunters think probably did this, this is the profile, right? And is it and it gets down to what Alan Moore investigates a lot in the book is the East End. A rich person who wants to murder pe poor people is not gonna risk himself going to the East End on the streets killing people. He's gonna, you know, open a factory, you know, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna become a landlord. If he's, if he's a Mark Decide sort of motherfucker, he's bringing people back to the castle. A devil in the white city more uh, than a Jack the Ripper. Yes, yes, you're gonna do something like that. You're not, cause it, these were risky crimes to do and he didn't have a lot of time to spend uh, with the victims except the last one, uh, Mary Kelly. Like you're not gonna do it out in the open especially if you're trying to do some sort of masonic ritual like you, you you generally take your time with that sort of uh thing you don't do it on the streets where anybody could see you and he was seen um by some people almost certainly um but just unfortunately for the women like this was just a time where like no one was helping anybody no one like the like the from hill starts with the women just trying to find like enough money for a room not even a room a place to sleep for the night and like one trick is like three quarters of a room for a night so that and that's where and they uh, only get on the, the the radar of Queen Victoria and Dr. William Gull because they attempt to uh, blackmail uh, the artist friend of uh, Prince Albert, Eddie, 
uh, was it Fred, was it Sickert, the guy Sickert? Like they, 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 they just want yeah, some Sickert. money out of him because they're being extorted by a violent street gang to like take all their money that they earned. Was was really happening to some of those women? Yeah, it is interesting. It's almost like it, you know he he makes it about like. Yeah, the the sickness that's in society you know what yeah. i mean like this is almost like inevitable that this had to happen you know with uh the way things were in london at that time i mean like that that to me is like the most interesting part about this book is that like the the murders themselves and like you know it's obviously crimes that have fascinated people for over like a century now but like more really makes it clear that like the murders themselves like the crimes taking place here are uh, larger than like the the murders themselves, they are like they are the manifestation of like the entire com- the culmination of Victorian England and the British Empire, and there's all these like you know touches he like he goes that are like 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 in the acts themselves like prophesize the atrocities of the 20th century. Yeah, like the, the last words are I think the uh, of the book are I think a war is coming. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's even a moment where like during one of the during one of the, the, the murders, like like they, they cut to like Austria and there's like Adolf Hitler's conception takes place during one of the murders. Oh, or something yes. like that. Or yeah. there's like it's a yeah, reference yeah. to like. Well, well, this one, I this one is very fun. This this colorway where goal, I think maybe during the last murder, he sees, you know, us. He sees the 21st century. He sees us on them damn phones. And he's like, wow, <laughs> I did all this to make a bunch of soy boys and cucks. Almost literally, <laughs> he says this. He's like, what the fuck did I do all this for if this is all you're going to do with it, men? <laughs> this is, we, we, we are now at the end of the of the century of masculinity and look look what look what it turned out <laughs> look what it, it turned out the yeah. softest ones that ever <laughs> that ever existed in history <laughs> and, and a couple of world horrific world wars as well yeah yeah gulls um you know sort of look into what the next century is going to be his like rhapsody you know rapture that he goes into uh you know in, in those final issues uh is really it's really great he's like mad that the women like like dress like sl- like slutty like he's mad he's like <laughs> he saw the world that he created and he's still like ugh, i hate it <laughs> yeah but like in this in this like uh almost like orgasmic rapture as he like murders like one of his last victims like he sees a vision of london at like the end of the 20th century not the end of the 19th and like he sees like the exact location where this murder took place and again like all of the architectural details in this book are exactly to a t like correct like you could you could walk the same route you could see the same buildings and the like the the what he sees replacing it is this like giant gleaming tower of like glass and steel and it's this like absolutely nightmarish moment for him yeah it is funny it's like this sort of the ending it's alan moore almost saying like if you think like and if you think like it's almost him being like even Jack the Ripper would be like most scared at just seeing what the world looked like today. <laughs> this person capable of all this, like the scariest thing would be like what you see every day. And we are going through Jerusalem. And Will, I know you've uh, read it. I mean, and thank you so much for doing such a wonderful job editing it. it I mean, it's pitch perfect. I haven't found one <laughs> I, error I, I, uh, I, so far. I, well, I must be clear as far as my editing job on it. Um, I, I did not touch a single word or comma placement in the manuscript. <laughs> it was just merely the American publication <laughs> of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of it, uh, nor would I want to, because it's a thousand pages long. <laughs> <laughs> 
you had to change how they spelled gray every time. Like <laughs> yeah. oh, that was that's a lot. Of <laughs> but um, he 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 gets uh, to this. Uh, he mentioned. I mean, Jerusalem is a lot about you know the oppressive architecture and how it gets worse. Like he his his characters talk about how they're like complain about this building, and then you catch up with them 20, 30 years later, and like oh I wish or you catch up with their children, and they're like oh I missed that building because they replaced it with this piece of shit, and just everything keeps getting worse and worse uh, and worse. I don't know where I was going. I just was noticing that like there's no there's no like um, upswing at the end of from hell like gold just wins and she just he he uh i mean he might actually he might he might not win because like in in his in his sort of death dream at the end he receives a vision of mary kelly in ireland with the child who is you know the illegitimate catholic heir to the uh, crown of england and he's having this ecstatic moment of achieving like you know godhood and at the last minute, Mary Kelly's like sees him like his ghost or his spirit. And she says, like, go back to hell or something. And then he just dies and is nothing. So like he like he like he, he, <laughs> he, he receives a vision of like he he thinks that he has like finally come to fruition. He, he will become a god and his efforts have played off. But nope, like that's just oxygen leaving your brain. That's just DMT hitting. And now you're dead. Now you're nothing forever. Just that I, I hadn't read before, as I mentioned earlier, this sort of afterword to the afterword. Um, they did like Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell did like another short comic, you know, that comes like came out, I think, with the annotations um, that was kind of all about all the different people that have been suspected to be Jack the Ripper. Is this yeah, like the the gull watching part where they're on the beach walking over the footsteps of other people. And like, it's this metaphor for like historiography and yeah. Gull catching. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he kind of almost even cops to, he's like, it probably wasn't gull. <laughs> like after making the whole, the whole book about how it's gull, he's like, yeah, well really what this is about is like being a part of like a larger, you know, this is, it's, it was almost a weird chronicling of the origins of true crime kind of, uh, through the, uh, uh, through the Jack the Ripper case. Um, reminds me of Zodiac in a lot of ways because yeah, like, you yeah. know, that movie has like, obviously it's like they, they put the thumb down on the scale pretty heavy for it. it's John Carroll Lynch. I mean, I actually like, you know, people have spent, you know, I know, I know everyone says they, you know, they've caught the Zodiac killer. It's just this guy who just died. But I mean, yeah, like I, I still think it's Arthur Lee Allen because of the movie. But if you watch the, the Zodiac movie is like, it's very interesting because like it, it leaves enough ambiguity that like maybe Arthur Lee Allen did a couple of those killings, but maybe many other of them could have just been done by people pretending to be or just unrelated, just insane murders that took place in California at the same time in that like, it, you know, like from hell, it is a portrait of America at a very specific time and place. I thought the, the afterward, the, the goal catching one was very interesting because it was also kind of toying with like what is it about murders that we want to like look at so much right there was a very there's a very funny panel in it where he talks about how jack the ripper has become a circus and it cuts to uh a billboard for the from hell movie yeah <laughs> with johnny depp uh that uh was a lot of fun i thought that the afterward you know uh, again i had missed it until now and i was uh kind of pleasantly surprised by it I, I recommend people don't miss it if you read from hell i really like the concept they use is the coax uh, snowflake where he draws this circle and the circle is all the information that we can really know about jack the ripper because it took place at a specific time and place you know 100 years ago 
and there's a triangle in it, and the triangle can, you know, like a tesseract, just keep refracting the smaller and smaller in the smaller and smaller pieces, and we can get more and more details about the lives. I mean, this is one of the most studied, you know, probably the most studied criminal case in all of history. We have letters and uh, stuff from the people. We have notes from the policemen. We know so much about this case to such such a fine detail, but we can never know like who the the killer really is because that circle is still surrounding like our realm of knowledge that's really possible about this because it took place in you know before there was fingerprinting before you know there was dna before they knew to collect this evidence etc cetera, etc cetera. one of the things that uh I really liked or appreciated uh, writing it this time. And also the first time is another really cool thing they do is all of the cameos by historical figures that were in London of the era that like, you know, through through a bit of like fictional license, like he has William Gull and other characters interact with, um, you know, W.B. Yeats and the elephant man, John Merrick. And also the like the 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 the, the ghost of William Blake, like things like that. Oh, the uh, William Blake's painting, The Ghost of a Flea. Yeah, he inspires the painting, the, uh, the Ghost of a Flea by William Blake. Does he not all also inspire Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Or does, when he's like going through time, he like, yeah, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm remembering. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, he's always got to do a little bit of the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemaning, you know, and <laughs> yeah. he gets to like a t- he also does it in, in, in Jerusalem, in pro- too. And yeah. Providence and Providence yeah. as well. Yeah. So if someone was there, they should probably show up in the story. I mean, shit. I, mean, I found out they were there at the time. Like, why not? <laughs> so as, as I said, we will be revealing um, who the killer is on this podcast. And uh, Mind Hunters, if you have anything, um, please chime in. But I have I have been doing the research. I listened to John John Douglas, our boy, Mister uh, the real Jack Crawford himself. And he has a book called The Cases That Haunt Us. About Jack the Ripper. He goes through all the major suspects, including Goal. He's very dismissive of Goal because of the stroke. And also, the simple fact is that if this were supposed to be some sort of royal cover up, because people also think Eddie did, uh, was the Jack the Ripper himself, too, a syphilitic Eddie. He probably had syphilis, but we don't think. Uh, in the Victorian era, it is, this is not, this is no bullshit. In the Victorian era, it is estimated that one quarter of all adult men had syphilis. Yes, yeah, so he probably did have syphilis, but he did have alibis uh, for all, basically all of the murders. Uh, the royal conspiracy is kind of out because if they were trying to cover something up, they probably wouldn't have committed the most talked about crime of, <laughs> yeah, 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 of all time. Yeah, yeah. That would that would be kind of counterproductive. Uh, if, if this um, was a real op, they would have just like pushed them off a bridge or something and not <laughs> painted walls of their blood in like the most fantastic way imaginable. Now, it, uh, now there's one kind of point uh, storyline in, in this comic that might be a little bit confusing if you don't know the real case. This guy named Druitt who pops up, uh, who is a real guy. He was a teacher accused of of uh, molesting a student uh, students at his at the boys' school they taught at, and he was found dead around the time of the killings. And was and the killings, you know, shortly stopped. Short after, uh, shortly, uh, this killing stopped around the time he died, uh, after from apparent suicide. But he was also found with bricks in his pocket. A uh, very odd case, but really, there's no con- he has no connection to the East End besides just happening to being uh, dying around that same time. 
Douglas's dairy, and this is kind of the thing is like so the 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 around this time, obviously lots of anti-Semitism, right? But the actual criminal profile is that it's probably was an immigrant. It probably was someone of the area that was impoverished because very few people would have been able to make their way around that area, do several murders without being caught or seen or stopped. Um, that this person probably was deeply disturbed personally disturbed this is not someone who could be in the public eye or could fun function as a doctor who could even talk to women who could even like have a real conversation with a woman that's why the attacks were these quick uh possibly quick blitz attacks because he didn't think he could control uh these women that's why they weren't brought back uh to the except for mary kelly um who had and he, he didn't have money because he would have his own house to do something like this he wouldn't do it on the streets or in mary Kelly's place. So John Douglas's theory is that because of the rampant anti-Semitism, that the cops basically mixed up a few guys who fit this description in such a way that they didn't know that they had the guy. Like there's a guy named David Cohen and a guy uh, with an, but Cohen was a name like John Doe that they would just give Jewish uh, <laughs> men that they didn't know the last name of. And so you have these cops from these different jurisdictions, just like now they had, they had city police police and metro police and all this all these different jurisdictions taking these different notes about these trans by nature transient poor you know dirt poor men who and you know to, th to them these oh they all look alike they all dress alike they're all animals so his theory is that it was probably someone like that who probably died shortly after from some sort of possibly just syphilitic uh, syphilis. From living in England in the 19th century. Yeah, from century. living in England, and that's why the killing stopped. It wasn't some criminal mastermind. It probably wasn't somebody who was going to be sending letters to the paper. It wasn't somebody who wanted attention for what he was doing. It was someone with deep hatred of women who was deeply uncomfortable around women and other people and could only blend in, who, blend in, who blended in on the East End but would have stuck stuck out at like say the royal court or in a uh, in a hospital there we go crime solved hey look far be it yeah like you know listen uh i'm not a mind hunter so i'm <laughs> I, all i can do is send in awe of, of those who have the ability <laughs> It's, it is sad to say that you, it probably was like a, a poor immigrant, but that's what that's what, like the 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 thing where the cops erase the graffiti that says the Jews will the, is the man who will not be blamed for nothing because he's afraid of anti-Semitic mob was actually true. And there were anti-Semitic mobs patrolling the streets at night as soon as the killings uh started that was the answer uh to the jack the river they were going out hunting like immigrants ah, i mean i guess they did the right thing really <laughs> i guess i guess he really did give birth to the 20th century <laughs> yeah <laughs> will recommendations for halloween I, I got three that i watched uh recently uh we got we got david cronenberg's the brood we've got oh, lucio Fulci's the beyond Oh, and I love that one. That's one of my favorite movies. Just of all time. absolute yeah. gore masterpiece. I'd actually never seen it. Brendan and I watched it the other night. It is oh 
it is like the the gore in that movie is like on another <laughs> on another level. It's hard to choose which scene is the best. Um, seeing eye yeah, dog bites out the throat of blind woman, or a guy gets his face eaten by tarantulas. Uh, it all takes place in a uh, a, a very weird otherworldly New Orleans in which <laughs> nobody sounds like they live in Louisiana. <laughs> what? It's, no, but it actually is Louisiana, and but he yeah. used Italian actors. Yeah, but that, I know. I actually point that to people like that's what Louisiana actually looks like. That that no, bridge. No, yeah. <laughs> is so oh, on the, the middle of the water. Oh my god, that's yeah. real. That's how you get to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, Louisiana is one of the seven gateways to hell. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the Beyond was awesome, and then uh, also uh, rounding out the Italians, uh, watched Dario Argento's Phenomena, which was fucking awesome. Never that's seen one it. I oh, haven't it's, seen. It's, it's it's a must watch. It's like it's it's like later area later era Argento, but it is so fucking good. See, that's the one I think might be good. I kind of don't fuck with the later or gentle for no, obvious yeah, this reason. Did, no, like, yeah, like this is before he really falls off a cliff. But this is like, <laughs> this is fucking, the phenomenon is excellent. It is so fucking good. Do you have anything to plug? Just, uh, just, just a regular, you know, Chapo Trap House. Check us out on Patreon and SoundCloud. That was Struggle Session Presents. Alan Moore. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment of truth is upon us. For a hundred years, authors, historians, criminologists have been puzzled by the question, who was Jack the Ripper? Now, 14% of our viewers believe Dr. Rosalind Donston was the Ripper. 18% believe he was M.J. Druitt. 25% voted for William Gull and the Royal Conspiracy. 23% believe the killer was Prince Albert Victor and 20% believe Kosminski was Jack the Ripper. Turning now to the distinguished members of our panel, here is what the experts say. Forensic pathologist, William Eckert. It's my opinion that uh, uh, these crimes were committed by uh, someone with a, se a severe mental problem. I'm, I'm not a... Uh, uh, a psychiatrist, but in, uh, in cases of a similar nature I've had, uh, it has been found that many of these people are uh, very badly mentally uh, troubled. Uh, I therefore uh, feel that our uh, most likely suspect here as the actual ripper uh, is uh, Aaron Kosminski. And uh, Anne Malinu, member of the Queen's Council, barrister, judge. Well, I think there's insufficient evidence to actually charge anyone, uh, any one of these suspects, but the suspicion against Kosminski, I agree, is the strongest, and I think that for four reasons. Firstly, he lived locally and knew Whitechapel well. Secondly, the Middlesex Asylum Coney Hatch Hospital records suggest strongly that he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Thirdly, according to the police officers, Anderson and Swanson, he was positively identified by a witness as someone seen with stride shortly before her death. And fourthly, according to Swanson, as soon as Kosminski was placed first of all under constant surveillance and then under restraint, the killings stopped. FBI Special Agent Roy Hazelwood. I would agree with the two previous opinions. I also believe Aaron Kosminski was responsible for these five mutilation murders. 
Of the five suspects, he was the only one who would not have been bothered by being sprayed with human blood. Uh, the others, I believe, would have been bothered by that. Also, his hatred of women is extremely well documented. And as I earlier stated, the mutilations uh, involved in these crimes were motivated by an exaggerated hatred of women. And from Scotland Yard, William Waddell. Well, a murder inquiry in 1988 is essentially the same as one 100 years ago. Uh, from the point of view of a police inquiry, I come out in favour of Kosminski being the suspect. The evidence in the McNaughton notes of uh, mentioning him his name initially and some of the evidence that's come to light since then uh, makes me feel that he's more likely than any of the others. And a special agent, John Douglas, yeah, not, uh, not to sound repetitious, but from a behavioural point of view, I definitely believe uh, Kosminski would fit the, uh, the general profile. Uh, if he didn't do it, someone just like him uh, in Whitechapel committed this crime. Well, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Experts for Donston, there are none. We are all unanimous that it was probably Kosminski. I say with great relief that we cannot at this distance be responsible for a miscarriage of justice. And thank you, Martin Fido, Donald Rumbelow, David Thomas, and Jan Leeming in London for all your help. And thanks to our panelists for engaging in this fascinating search for the secret identity of Jack the Ripper. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sleep well. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.